You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Facebook Live Q&A. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm here with the voice of the community, Cindy. What is up, Cindy? Hey, everyone. How are we doing? I'm doing really well today. Ready to rock and Ready roll? to rock it. Nice. Ready to rock it. All I slept right. like a million hours yesterday. Really? Yeah, I was just tired because I, hey, I, I've i had like events all week mm. and like I was in Vegas the weekend before that. Yeah. So I was just like, need, need a little God, up. I'm tired, but yeah. I'm ready today. Nice. Yeah. So um, just a few housekeeping things, Absolutely. just so everyone knows, we won't be having our normal lives next week, but we made sure to like pre-record some things and get your questions answered mm. and tackle a lot of the different topics. And for those who don't know, Tom's going to be in London all of next week. Yes. Um, and he's having a meet and greet at Bar Americaine. Um, at 7 p.m. on the 15th. You can check out the details in the events tab. Um, And then we'll be having our first Los Angeles like impact hour, which is going to be our like summer happy hour series, um, which is also located in the events tab. And I'm super excited about that one. Nice. Um, Finally kicking off our live events for everyone. Yes. I'm very sad I won't be able to join you guys for the first impact hour, but I will be Either in London or in France. I'm not sure when you guys are doing it. But um, so going to the reason for the trip is Cannes Lion. So we're headed there for that. That should be a lot of fun. Very excited about that. And then hitting up London because, well, when you've got some in-laws and you're literally across the channel, then you have to swing by and say what's up. I'm excited to see them. I love those guys so much. Pit stop. Yeah, Indeed. I heard Lisa's mom on the phone this morning. Did you like, really? She's so cute. Yeah, well, she is an amazing human. Literally, just like a scary good person. I love it. Yeah, she's a good peeps. All right, so ready to kick it off? Ready. Oh, although I will say first, if this content is adding value, please do share. Yes. We just crossed 50,000 50, on Facebook. Thank you. Big it up, big it up. Uh, yeah, Woo! nice little love there from uh, the Impact Theory team, <laughs> and could not be more excited or more grateful to you guys. Thank you so much. And we had set a goal for ourselves at the beginning of this year when we kicked off, and right. we have just smashed I know. Uh, past where we thought we'd be at this point. And that's all thanks to you guys. So, and it comes down to those shares. Um, so if you would, if it's adding value to your life, share, 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 that really, really helps. And, uh, we won't go into it here because I've talked about it a lot and I want to get to your questions, but, uh, building the community is phase one of our master plan of making the world a better place. So yeah, help us. And now I will officially address this camera. Love it. Okay. So this is a topic to kick off because, I feel like a lot of people saw the Peter D clip and so many people are side hustling and trying to balance that. So you've talked about when you first started Quest, still working at Awareness Tech. Mm. So maybe just gives people some of the tactical time management or tips that you used while you were doing that to like, you know, side hustle. Yeah. So here, here is the, um, the no BS answer. Like at some point you just have to give up virtually everything else in your life. That's the, that is the truth. 
And so when we were still at Awareness Technologies, and this was one of the reasons, like, because when we started um, Quest, I think Lisa and I were still in the, like, two years from now, two years from now phase with kids. Mm -hmm. And it was really when we started Quest, we started to say, I'm not sure, like, that we're actually going to have kids because from a time management perspective, I knew that was going to be a problem. Now, if you already have kids, then there's going to be other things in your life that you're going to have to give up. But we just essentially, um, I won't say we worked around the clock because as you're learning, like sleep is important, important to performing <laughs> um, cognitively. But I will be honest, if I need to give up sleep, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Same. So um, I, I, I try not to do it very often because I don't want to degrade my cognitive performance. But if I had to work a normal job and then try to build something on the side, I wouldn't hesitate to give up sleep. And there were plenty of times where we had to do that. Um, I remember um, there was the, at the beginning of Quest, so we had this really old mixer, but every time you made a batch, it was $5,000. So if something happened with the batch, then you're out 5K. Like, and that was catastrophic at that time. Mm -hmm. So we were, um, I remember one night it was like, I don't know, like 11 o'clock and we were putting in the last batch and the mixer froze. And so it was like, oh, don't do this. And so we finally got that going again. We got the bars out and then the line was breaking down and it was always the wrapper, like the wrapping machine. God, I wanted to punch that thing <laughs> in the face. So, and it just kept going down, kept going down, kept going down. And then finally it had like a terminal problem. So by now it's like, 1.30 in the morning or something like that. And it the heat coupling was broken. So like the it uses heat to seal the wrappers mm -hmm. and it just wouldn't get hot. And so the bars wouldn't seal. And I'm like, there's no universe in which we lose these bars. Like I'm not losing $5,000. Right. There's just no way. It's not going to happen. So um, call my partner because I had tried and tried and tried to fix it. And it was just beyond, like I'm terrible at fixing things. It was beyond what I knew how to do. He manned up, he came. And it's just like, you're going to get less sleep at that moment, right? There's right. no two ways about it's like it. like you're up all night. Yeah. So is what it is. We banged it out. We got it done. Ends up becoming one of those cookie jar moments. Like, you know, when you yeah. just... And to be honest, like, it was one of my favorite memories. Because I was like, I'm not going to be moody about this. Like, let's have some fun. Like, let's yeah. laugh. Let's joke. Let's, right. you know, get through it. And, and so ended up being a lot of fun, even though it was just a lot of time and effort. But you're going to have to cut stuff out of your life. It's just that easy. And during that time, like there were exactly zero video games being played. There were zero movies and TVs being watched. I mean, it's just, you're grinding. Right. And so you get on that grind, you work seven days. It is what it is. And that's why I say you've got to make the demand of yourself that you make money doing something you care deeply and passionately about. So it was easy for me to show up every day and play that hard because I was thinking about my mom and my sister and I had totally set money aside. So I'm not thinking about money. This is going to be about value creation. It's going to be, be about doing something beautiful for people. And to give you an idea of why we're so hell-bent about this community and why we celebrate building the community is because when somebody writes in and says, you've changed my life, you've impacted me, um, asks a question, can you help me with this? Like, we're so honored. Like, I, I can't stress it enough. Like, I'm honored by every person that asks me a question, honored by every person that thanks us for what we've done. Like, it, it is, it's amazing. It like, really I is. don't take for granted that we're living in a time where that's possible. And because of that, it's like easy to hustle. It's easy to put in the work. It's easy to grind. It's easy to, to um, you know, get up at, I mean, there are times I'm up at like three in the morning and to just go right after it. 
And that's easy because I really believe in what we're trying to build. And because I believe in what we're doing and I can think about the people that we're helping and we're actually building relationships with, I, I mean, there's actually, yeah. there's so many people that are so active in the community that actually know who they are. I know. So that's really, really incredible. So when you make that demand and so you're not just chasing money and it's not something that you really don't care about and it's something that's like so core to who you are as a human being and is naturally on the path of who you're trying to develop yourself into, like you just give other things up hashtag true yeah guess that's it everybody all right so this next question comes from daniel breeze through the connect inbox talk um, about somebody that i'm well aware of his existence yes. yeah he's very engaged super active and he's um so his question is i have a um so he has a question about a close relative of his um the man is now 50 lives with two his two kids and wife but has not worked in over a decade. He fell into a depression after his parents passed away. I feel like he's given up on trying to become something because of his age. He needed financial help recently, and I took it as an opportunity to get him to start reading Mindset, but I don't want to pressure him too much. Any adv- advice on how to help him? So, like, next steps. Yeah. Here's, here's the bad news. When somebody doesn't want to be helped, there's literally nothing you can do um, other than be compassionate. So be compassionate, meet people where they are, show them love. Um, yeah, but here's my thing. Don't get sucked in. They, they've like, it's not okay for me. Like I would never tolerate in my own life falling into that depression. It literally doesn't make sense. Um, so, but that doesn't mean that I don't have a massive amount of empathy and compassion for somebody who has found themselves in that situation. Right. So like <laughs> love them, encourage them when, um, without proselytizing, when they present like the opportunities, like if they ask like, dude, I feel so lost. What should I do? Cool. That's a, a time. And honestly, like if that person asked, if they said that to me, I would say, man, it really starts with loving yourself. Because I bet right about now you're feeling badly about yourself that you haven't like gotten back up, that you haven't found your footing again, you know, uh, married and and with kids, right? So I'm sure there's all kinds of guilt about not being a provider and stuff like that. So step one, love yourself, forgive yourself, like whatever you're holding on to, like let it go. And then for me, it's about really understanding the brain. Your brain is fucking with you. That's the truth. And the depression is a neurochemical state that you've hardwired because it's been going on for so long. Um, Have they sought professional help? That's a big one. And then like, look, there are easy things to do that uh, I've just shown to be wildly effective in addressing depression. And the easiest one is working out. Like work out, bro. Go for long walks. Get those endorphins. You know what I mean? Like, so there's just... All of these, every problem you have is solvable, but you have to start with that belief. And so, yeah. But at at the end of the day, my real advice is compassion, empathy, and not to get sucked into their world of downward spiral. So the moment they, like, at all times, I would extend a hand, but if they don't take it, I'm not going to yell at them to take it. Like, it's just, cool, man. Totally get it. When you're ready, I'm here. I love you. I want to see great things happen for you. Um, every problem has a solution. If I can be useful, let me know. And then I'm just going to go live my life. Do you think? Got to. Live by example. They'll reach out when they're ready. Right, exactly. So usually by leading by example, they'll, they'll come a point when they want to come to you because yeah. they're kind of seeing your light and 
they're drawn to it because people yeah. are just naturally drawn to light. All right. So our next question comes from Madeline Milagros. Hi, Tom. From here in Toronto, Canada. So What's shout up, out Toronto? to Canada. Um, how do you stay growth-minded when surrounded by fixed mindset people? What if these people are your family and friends um, and whom you've had a long history of fixed mindset patterns? For example, how do you avoid fa uh, falling into old negative fixed mindset habits when around your in-laws or parents when they know just how to push those buttons? So... <clears throat> I'll, I'll shorthand because we just went deep yeah. on compassion and empathy. So I'm going to say compassion and empathy is how I meet everybody with a fixed mindset. I totally get it. I live so many years of my life lost to that. Like I never hate on people who are still caught in the matrix. Okay. So now having said that, um, there's also the nuanced advanced class side of the coin, which is y'all motherfuckers are crazy if you think that you're going to suck me into your fixed mindset game. Um, I don't have buttons for people to press. I literally... The, mm, even that, like, I'm not even sure my wife, like, I have no sense in my life of people being able to push my buttons. Was that yeah, something? I don't have buttons to push. So, uh, yeah, I really don't. So you have to get to the point where you know, like, okay, having fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. So buttons. My buttons used to be, if you told me that I was dumb or untalented, that would send me into a spiral mm -hmm. because like, I believe that my talents and intelligence were fixed traits. And so you were attacking my value as a human being. I only had one life to live. And so if I just wasn't uh, an above average human being, then like, how would you deal with that? Like I'm one of the like unwashed masses. Like it just, that doesn't make you feel good, right? right. So everybody wants to know, how am I special? Like, that's where everybody goes. And that's what parents do to their kids all the time. You're amazing. You're special. You're the best. And that is a game of death. Once people realize, oh, my talents and intelligence aren't fixed traits. Mm -hmm. They're malleable. I can do anything I want. So I was born average, rad. And now life is a journey of can I become exceptional at things I really care about? And if like you don't have that impulse to want to get great, I can't help you. I'm always going to sound crazy to you. Unfollow right now. Like I will totally get that despite all the things we said at the head of the show about <laughs> being grateful for every person. I'm telling you, if you have no interest in self-improvement, I'm not your guy. I'm going to drive you crazy. None of this is going to make sense. So to me, the purpose of life is very simple. Humans have potential. Potential is opportunity. It isn't a thing in and of itself. And the point of life is to see how much of that potential you can actually realize. So what can you do with it? What can you become? How can you express it, develop it, and really get great at something? Now, I... If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start run and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all US e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly 
and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold happen to love getting great at something that serves other people that makes me feel really good but I want to be the greatest of all time at the things that I choose to get great at right that I'm going to put my energy into so that to me is a big deal so I'm never going to allow somebody with a fixed mindset to drag me down like that's madness so they could try to press buttons but if you tell me that I'm stupid Awesome. In what way am I stupid? Because please, if you can point out something that I'm doing wrong and I can learn from that and now I can express more of my potential, like that's amazing. If you say, um, hey, this thing that you think you're really good at, you're actually terrible at. So uh, what I know about humans is people like to tear people down. So I'm going to go, okay, this is probably coming from a dark place for them. Like it doesn't feel, I'm triggering their insecurities in some way. So one, is there something I could address in my behavior that would trigger less of their insecurities? Because I actually want to see them shine. I want to see them do well. I don't want them to be in a bad place. Um, And I could learn from that. So is there something that I could do? It's all my fault, right? I always start with that. But then two, like, have they actually pointed something out? Am I not really as good as I could be and I could get a little bit better and I could eke more out of my game? Like, that would be amazing. So between understanding that people go on the offense because you've triggered something in them so I don't take it personally, and I think that's a big thing. Like, if somebody is trying to ruin you, like, Mm -hmm. they just, they don't want good things for you. They want to trip you up. Uh, They're trying to put limitations on you. They're trying to tear you down. Like, understand that's about them. It's not about you, right? Um, And that even if they're 
what they're saying really stings because you fear it might be true, cool. Then they're showing you something that you can address, you can highlight, and you can grow and get better. So um, the people in my life that have been the least supportive, but that are like part of my family and so I don't plan to cut them out of my life, I'm certainly not gonna be spending a lot of time with them, but I have no intention of cutting them out of my life. Um, they would only know love and compassion for me. So that, that would be their experience, right? They wouldn't even necessarily know that I perceive them as attacking me because they probably don't perceive it that way. Like a drowning man doesn't see it that they're attacking that person. They're just trying to get air, right? So mm -hmm. I know, okay, they're like trying to pull me down and all that. It's not personal. They're just trying to get air. Um, so yeah, they would never know. I'll deal with all of that internally because it's triggering all these very intriguing and powerful things in my mindset about self-improvement, about recognizing what I could do to like change the way that I'm coming across to them or how do I um, distance myself from them without alienating them, without making them feel bad or mm -hmm. criticize, you know, I don't want that. Um, so, and then like when, you know, if somebody really like wants to have a deep relationship with you and there's gonna be people in your family, I always like to answer the hard question. Let's say it's somebody like in your family and they're like, I become distant from you, a parent is the hardest one, right? And they really want to connect. But you know their version of connecting is being negative, um, saying that you're crazy for pursuing your goals and all that. Like, Then how do you deal with that person? Um, one thing that I have done in the past is I'm very, I choose my opportunities very carefully. So a lot of times people will present a moment, well, one, just listen, right? So instead yeah. of trying to... Um, give them all the answers to like their sort of assaults on you. Just like one question I use when people are being really negative is, what's the thing in your life that brings you the most joy? Like, what are you excited about right now? And then you can get them going that direction, thinking in that direction. And that may, I mean, you could lose an hour, two hours to just talking about beautiful things and all that and getting them to focus on that. And maybe that's enough to start bonding over. But if they really push the issue, another thing that I'll do is say, do I have permission to be honest? And I like to ask permission because once people say yes, then, then you get to, yeah, what can they do, problems. right? Yeah. So, and then I'll say, look, here's how I view the world. Here's where I'm trying to go. And I would just say, look, I love you beyond all measure. I love being around you. And no matter what, like I'm always going to want to be around you. You're my parent. You're my sibling. You're my cousin. You're my best friend, like whatever. And so I'm always going to want to spend time together. But here's what I've learned about myself. I need positivity. So one thing that would be really incredible for us to build a more meaningful relationship is if we can focus on the positive things when we're together. If we can talk about, like, even if it's a problem, how to be solution-oriented, you know, those things. And so then going into that and just saying, look, I know you don't mean to be negative, and maybe this is just me, but I perceive it as negative. That, you know, triggers my insecurity. Like, whatever it is that is going on to be real with them and just really like don't argue about the tea which is what most people do and that's a reference to a story between my <laughs> wife and I but like you'll get in the argument about something surface level one of the biggest arguments we've ever had was over a cup of tea and then finally we like said okay this is stupid there's no like, way we're arguing about the tea really like bad. what are we actually talking about and then when you get to the real thing then it starts to get interesting Absolutely. I'll leave it there leave it there <laughs> All right, we have a couple shout-outs um, from Tania Eskatin from South Africa. Nice. Lavoris Jackie from Michigan, and John Belt from OKC. Nice. Oklahoma City. All around, love it. 
Yeah. I love that we have a worldwide audience. For real, though. Like, that's, like, one of my favorite things, because, mm-hmm. like, I firmly believe in shrinking the world. So, yeah. this kind of follows, follows it. All right. So, our next question comes from Joshua Martell. Our boy. So, Tom, when people talk about feeling or having intuition from the heart, um, I have led myself to believe that it's an other area of the mind rather than the heart. What do you think? So I guess he's talking about like gut instincts, intuition, that kind of thing. Where do you think that comes from? Well, so we do have neurons throughout, like neurons, yeah. literal brain tissue mm-hmm. um, throughout the entire tract running from the brain all the way down to your intestines. So there is something to be said for a gut feel, gut instinct. Um how that plays into the heart, I'm not sure, but you really do experience that stuff in your chest, at least, and are we mistaking it for the heart? Maybe. Um, but it, the physiological feeling is what makes people say stuff like that. At the end of the day, higher level cognition is always in the brain. So by the time they're articulating it, it's it's they all brain. But did it. they get the instinct from somewhere else in the body? It is entirely possible. Like that's very real. Um, and also I'm reading, um, the human superorganism right now and the compelling case that it makes that you are, so just to give you an idea of the DNA being expressed. So the, the code being read, the proteins being produced, all of that, um, only 1% is mammalian. 99% of the DNA being expressed in your body is from bacteria, viruses, and fungi. And phages and all that stuff. But now, like, really, as we get to phages, I don't understand it yet. Um, But that's, like, what's really going on. Now, just at a percentage level, hopefully that gives everyone pause enough to go, huh, this is interesting. So I'll give you one example. If you take a baby and you remove all of the bacteria, viruses, fungi, everything, and so they're literally a sterile child, and you give it breast milk, it'll die because it can't process it. So the, the sugars in the breast milk, which the baby actually can't uh, break down, is to feed the bacteria, to make sure that the bacteria grows. And then once the bacteria grows, then the bacteria will help you digest all the different foods and things that you eat. A baby that's born via C-section is, um, from a microbiome perspective, wildly different than a baby that's born vaginally. And that a big part of vaginal birth is to make sure that you actually get all the microbes that you need, which is fascinating. So it's like that there's, this is infinitely complex. And until we get to AI and really deep learning, Mm -hmm. um, we're never going to understand it. I don't think the human mind can comprehend how vastly complicated, like even, even saying, even talking about DNA instead of RNA is already like shorthand number one. Cause really what matters is the epigenetic expression of the microbes in your gut, not necessarily like the DNA. So it's like, yeah, basically we're all echoes of our ancestors. So let's say that my mom had gone through a period of famine when she was, um, either even before she was pregnant or while she was pregnant with me, that will impact me. Like, think about that. Something that your uh, parents go through before you're uh, conceived can impact you in your own mm-hmm. life. That's crazy. There's a name for it. I'm forgetting it right now. But um, I think of it as um, like epigenetic echoes. Like it continues. Like And something that happens to my parents may affect 
my grandkids. So it's, I think it's three generations. It's yeah. sort of like everybody accepts it's at least three generations and it might be more. So that's crazy. Um, hopefully that makes people really think about some of their life choices because they're going to echo right. for a very long time. And we're, at, we are like in our infancy of understanding this stuff. So there is something there. I won't pretend to understand it. It, but gut, gut instinct, and he talked about heart, but gut instinct is real. That I promise you. You have neurons. You have something like the equivalent of an entire cat brain. So think about the level of personality, the ability to hunt, like yeah. all of it that a cat has. You have that many neurons outside of your brain in your body. That's so cool. Yeah. What's so you could literally, uh, I, I don't understand it well enough. So I, I won't even attempt to explain it. Let me okay. finish the book. Okay. They've just now started mentioning them. So all right. this, all right, all right. yeah, one of the things like, that I will to have be to continued. Look up, to be continued. I'm like interested in that just because, and especially that like multi generational, mm. like epigenetic echo. Yeah. Because I feel like it also, if you were to go back and study history, like you would kind of see like how it plays out in the present and then mm. like almost prognosticate to the future. Yeah. But. And so full disclosure, um, an IT alum and, and a good friend of mine, Naveen Jain, has founded a new company called Viome, which is looking at all this stuff. He was the first person to mention phages to me. Um, and I think we'll probably do like at a minimum an affiliate relationship with him because I'm so intrigued with what he's doing. I've got Lisa on it. Um, so at some point, like, yeah, it could be, it could be interesting enough to me that we look at it from a business perspective. Like that's how seriously I'm taking this. Dope. I like it. All right. So this next one comes from Daniel Malek. Hey Tom, I found out today that I have several growths on both thyroid glands. Most likely will end up having to have a biopsy to find out if they're malignant or not. Mm. Um, while I try to stay as positive as possible the fear of cancer of course drags me down more than um, I'd like to admit how would you handle a situation like this so this is an amazing opportunity to practice so this is terrifying and I've been through this I had a lump in the back of my throat and I had to have a lumpectomy and all that and I was freaking out and but I was young and so at like knowing like I know exactly what he's talking mm -hmm. about and your mind just you just assume everything right. is cancer like nowadays, like your brain just jumps straight to what's the worst possible answer that right. I could imagine. So first of all, remember that there are more things that it could be that aren't cancer than that are. So just mm -hmm. statistically speaking. Um, and then also that it's an awesome time to practice. Like even if it is cancer, like A, you can fight through and survive it. And then B, like just being in a place where whatever comes your way, like I was just thinking about this today in the gym. Today's not guaranteed. Forget tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to make it through today. So nothing is guaranteed for us and really finding peace with that. And this is one of those, I'm not saying like come to grips with your impending death. Like you need to learn to not jump to that conclusion. First of all, like train your mind not to do that. It's counterproductive. And then know that, cognitively psychologically you're going to be able to deal with anything no matter what it is so it's an awesome reminder to you know focus on the things you're grateful for because that's going to ground you from a neurochemical perspective in something positive and the key right now is not to let your brain spiral off into the negative which is what it's going to want to do and it's going to be like a group of wild horses that just want to break free and go crazy and so you really need to in this moment practice at 
not letting it do that. Letting your mind run away with you is not going to serve you. You're going to go through the process. You're going to take it very seriously. You're going to move as quickly as you can to get a diagnosis. If you need a second and a third, you're going to get a second and a third. Um, none of it's going to be fun, but you're going to do whatever it takes. And then if it is cancer, you're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that you survive it, like period. And your mind like has to be in full survival mode. And that's how I would be with cancer. Like, man, I don't know how, but I am going to be, this is incredible. Like I'm going to be, if they were like, no one's ever survived this before. I get to be the first, like this is incredible. (laughs) And you have to force your mind there. So, and then look, I just had a cousin die of cancer and it was, um, heartbreaking to see him go through that but it was also amazing to see like how positive he was like through the whole process and it really wasn't until like the last 10 days of his life I'll say that he finally said like okay now I'm scared right right and now like he understood we don't like just being sort of realistic like we don't have any we don't have any other options and so that that was an interesting transition and there's no question, like, not having been through it, I will claim to know exactly nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing him go through it and understanding that psychologically there's just sort of different phases that you're inevitably, inevitably going to go through. Um, but I just encourage people, as long as you have air in your lungs, find something um, positive and beautiful to focus on. And I think there was a guy that wrote a book called My Final Lecture. I'll have to look that up. But he found out that he had terminal cancer and wrote a book because of it. And it was pretty fascinating. I I only read an article about it because I don't know that the book had been released yet when I found out about it. But um, that was really interesting to see sort of the level of um, clarity that it brought to his life. And it was one of those like, oh, I always thought I'd write a book. I'd write a book. And then it was like, I need to write the book. I write the book. Yeah. Right? And so... There really is something incredibly powerful to that. But I don't know. For me, a big thing is the the real thing I would be doing in your situation is um, I would be focusing only on the positive, all the things that it could yeah. be other than that. I would not let my mind run away with me. Um, that's that's what you should do right now at this moment. And then the rest we'll deal with as it comes. But uh, positivity is is really the only thing that matters right now. And, and practicing controlling your mind. That's a big right, deal. It's a great right. opportunity. And there's something to be said for like kind of like de-escalating that like situation 100%. where you think about it. Because like when I was 16, like I found a lump in, like in my right breast. And so I didn't know what it was. And my first reaction wasn't that it was cancer, even though they're like, oh, like we're going to have to like cut you open, take it out and mm. like check and see what it is. And because like my dad never seemed worried or didn't like immediately jump there my parents didn't like my mom didn't I was like oh like it's fine like nothing happens it wasn't until like recently that I was talking to somebody about it I realized oh shit that's like that could have been the end of everything but because I was just kind of like okay like very like calm and relaxed about it and like positive and then I was thinking about like well I'm going to lacrosse camp soon so like I need to like make sure that this is scheduled in time for me to be able to like go and like play and do all this stuff that, you know, I feel like it didn't have as much of an impact. And so I guess it would probably be a little bit different now, but I always think about the positive ends or always think about, like, moving towards the future. Only smart way. Because it it could end up being absolutely nothing. Right, and it was nothing. So focusing on that makes a lot more sense than focusing on the dire potential. Exactly. For sure. 
All right, so this next one comes from Nikhil. And Krishan. by the way, we're all with you. I know it's a stressful time there, no matter what yeah. we say, so just know that there are people that care. So mad love. Besitos. Yeah. All right, so this next one comes from Nikhil Krishnan. Um, I'm from India, and I have social anxiety. I feel I'm threatened in a large crowd. I also feel intimidated with um, more experienced, skilled people. With what mindset do I go into a small community? So I guess kind of what, maybe step by step what he can do to tackle this situation. Yeah, so anxiety is your enemy. You're going to have to unwind that. So really reading about, learning about the brain and how you can begin to unwind that is critical step number one. Uh, critical step number two is now that you've learned about the brain, you understand about myelination, you understand that you have to begin envisioning not how things are going to go wrong, but how they could go right. Um, learning to calm your um sympathetic nervous system and click over into the parasympathetic nervous system. Once you're armed with those tools and you know how to practice, then put yourself in those situations and begin practicing de-escalating, 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 um, and doing that over and over and over and over. And um, I'm a huge believer in when people are armed with the skills of how to unwind something to do immersion therapy. So it doesn't work if you don't have the skills. You'll just make it worse and worse and worse because you're in that situation mm -hmm. without the tools to begin like unwinding winding it. Um, but once you really understand that process and how to do it, then you want to start putting yourself in that situation and making it easier and easier and easier um, just to practice that. Um, don't allow yourself to continue to retreat. And that was my thing with anxiety was in the beginning, part of what created the anxiety for me was I refused to back down. So I, I was like, I am getting good at this business thing, like period, simple as. Yeah. And so I kept putting myself without any tools and how to like stop it from happening. I kept putting myself into the situation that was triggering the anxiety. And like, I was just like, I'm gonna fucking muscle through this. And I like just kept putting myself in. And I'm actually proud of like, I didn't back down, yay. But if I had, when it first started, if I'd caught it a lot earlier, started reading about it, really learned how to unwind it, instead of letting it like get worse and worse and worse, um, I could have made the whole process a lot easier mm -hmm. um, because I would have realized, hey, this is a moment to practice, like, and this is actually how you practice. Um, and that would have been great. So that really is the, the key. You have to understand what the tools are. And there's so many books, so many blogs, so many podcasts about this um, that you can go out there right now today and begin getting just absolutely incredible information. And then just really believe, because you asked like, what's the mindset? You should have a growth mindset. Just believing right. that anxiety, um, switching over into the parasympathetic nervous system and stopping the anxiety, they are skills. Like even anxiety, think of it as a skill. It, you got really good at it. So you imagined mm -hmm. all these scenarios of all the ways that it could go wrong and you just kept obsessing and as you could feel your heart rate, like even if it wasn't like this conscious thing where you were imagining that someone's actually gonna attack you, you just got into this environment and you felt weird and it just kept escalating. Like your subconscious, even if not your conscious mind, your subconscious practiced that anxiety and so it got really good at it. So now you have what Tony Robbins calls the super highway to stress and anxiety and so you're gonna have to figure out and you have a dirt road to gratitude and happiness and all that stuff. So now you have to strip that back down to a dirt road to anxiety by building the super highway over here and the good news is you're not gonna have a super highway to both. So as you build the super highway to gratitude, happiness, the ability to um, switch over into the parasympathetic nervous system and calming yourself down and all that, like this will naturally degrade. So that's the name of the game.
Yeah, definitely. And like even from a, a social perspective, just in a networking situation, let's say, because that's the easiest one to draw upon, is come in with some type of strategy, like whether it's being on the perimeter so that you don't like feel super awkward, you know, smiling at the first person you see and walking up to them, um, trying not to like go into like large groups, try maybe one person who's also lingering. Um, Cause that I find also tends to help people when they're trying to like overcome those challenges of yeah. social anxiety. You ready for a really weird one? Uh-huh. So I, I don't, um, I'm not afraid to be embarrassed. I'm not afraid to look stupid. So one thing, like if I were really like in a position where I felt like I had the tools and um, I knew what I should be doing, but I was still feeling really anxious and I was having a hard time approaching people, but I really wanted to practice. Um, I once went to a Greek fair with a sign this big that I had printed and just pinned, baby pinned to my shirt that said, in Greek, I'm looking for a Greek teacher if you're willing to tutor me, like stop me and say something. And I wore it around and people were laughing and pointing and grabbing me, but I ended up, I actually didn't get it from that, but I had a couple leads and I ended up getting a Greek teacher somewhere else. But um, like wearing something that said, I'm hella anxious. (laughs) I'd still love it if you said hi. If you don't mind, I'm gonna practice like (laughs) de-escalating. You know what I mean? So that like people would understand. And you will be so shocked surprised. how many people, because they just like want to help. Like mm-hmm. people really are like on mass, pretty dope. And so they'll come up and now it, and you may need to put like one at a time, please, or something, you know? <laughs> so it's like, but even just doing something like that, that's going to force you into that kind of situation yeah. is um, like, understand what your limitations are and find ways to get around them. Mm-hmm. And I'm also one of those people who always goes up to the person who's kind of like hanging mm. back in the corner. That's like a great point because you could, that would allow you to really speak to people that just love helping other people. Yeah. So, which is the kind of person you need right at that moment. Yeah, exactly. All right. So this next question comes from Corinne, but at first it start out, starts out with some love. As always, big thanks to you and your team for all the great content you guys are pumping mm-hmm. up. You're killing it. So thank you, Corinne. Um, Her question is, can you please talk a little bit about accountability and keeping commitments? Specifically, when you're an accountability partner for somebody, um, or for that matter, when you're holding yourself accountable, what do you do when that person doesn't come through on what they've committed to? What do you think are the most effective strategies for helping them or yourself get back on track? And do you think it's different to help for helping somebody else versus helping yourself? Well, I think that, so ironically, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about helping other people. Um, I make the things that I've learned available to as many people that want to help themselves. Mm -hmm. So my goal isn't to like deal with people that are like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, you know, feeling too lazy to do anything. It's like, Hey, I get it. Like, here's what you have to do. If they don't do it though, I'm not going to chase them. So if I have an accountability partner that's not accountable, then it's like, that's not a good accountability partner. So what I would say you do, because you don't just want to shuck people off. Um, and then they feel like, wait, like this is exactly why I wanted you as an accountability partner to help me through this stuff. Rules of engagement. 
right? So mm -hmm. here are rules of engagement. What do we consider being a good partner to each other? And then like in contracts, they give you this like period to cure. Mm. So if we say, hey, as an accountability partner, I get it, things are gonna come up. So if we say um, that you could miss one a quarter, right? Like one meeting a quarter, totally get it, no problem. Yeah. Um, but that missing, and whatever the, 10 a quarter, it's whatever works for you guys. Right. But like you come up with the rules of engagement and then if they aren't delivering on that, if they're underperforming that you say, what's the period to cure? So um, if they miss too many things, if they're not doing whatever work it is you guys are holding to, like how long do they have to fix that? What does fixing that look like? Is there like a catch-up process or something? And then what do we do like if the other person fails to cure? Is it just like we, the uh, accountability partnership d dissolves with a simple like, you have failed to cure a conversation. Like, what does that look like? Agree upon it all ahead of time. And now everybody knows what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. I find a lot of times that this is a disconnect of expectations. Like, you yeah. just have different expectations. You never talk you through what they're supposed what to they be. Are. Exactly. So laying all that stuff out. So that person may not know what you expect of them. And so just making sure that stuff is abundantly clear. And if it is abundantly clear, they don't abide by it. Like, then you find somebody else. Yeah. That simple. All right, hopefully that helps, Corinne. All right, our next question comes from Laura Dufresn. Hi, Tom um, and Cindy. Hey. What is up, Laura? Uh, what do you do when a close family member seriously wrongs you and shows absolutely no interest in apologizing or moving forward? No one wants to lose family, but I've tried just about every tactic I can think of to fix the problem, backing off and giving them plenty of time to cool off, writing a nice... A mature letter explaining that it hurt, but that I want to resolve it, etc. If I can't fix it, how do I cope with the emotional loss of a dear loved one? For context, they're 19. I, I will tell you what I do. This infuriates my wife. So I am, this advice is not universal, but I'm so bullish on this. So I accept people for who they are. And if somebody wronged me and I very calmly and clearly articulated, hey, I just want to let you know how that made me feel, like this, that, or the other, um, here's what I need from you, whether it's an apology, an acknowledgement, whatever, um, and you know, you lay that out there. And if I don't get it from them, then okay, I know who they are. So I would go, okay, I know who this 19-year-old kid is or whatever. And then like with nothing but compassion and empathy in my heart, because remember, I'm thinking of it as this person is using a poor strategy to get what they want. Like mm -hmm. I have clearly, calmly articulated what I need talked about how it hurt me, why it hurt me, um, what the sort of path to reconciliation would look like, what I would need from them. And then if I don't get it, that I meet them with compassion and empathy because I think they're employing a bad strategy and then I withdraw myself from the situation. Like, it's that simple. So um, this is where people say, oh, Tom, you're really good at compartmentalizing your emotions. And I am, but I am because like when somebody is bashing themselves in the hand with a hammer, I don't get angry about that. Like this, is, and this is literally the analogy I'll use for this. So this 19-year-old kid has her hand on the table. They are smashing the hell out of it with a hammer. Mm -hmm. And I happened to walk too close one day and whoa, like in one of their wild swings, they hit me with the hammer. Now I'm the dumbass. 
if I like want to go stand next to them while they're smashing themselves in the hand with a hammer, it's like, well, hammers are flying. So <laughs> that's on you. If like, after you say, Hey, you hit me in the face with a hammer that really sucked. I don't want to be hit in the face with a hammer again. So I need you to either set the hammer down or I just can't get that close to you. Full disclosure. Um, but by the way, I have empathy and compassion for the fact that you feel compelled to hit yourself in the hand with a hammer. Um, but I'm then going to distance myself. Like, that's who they are. Like, I get it. Like, what you're mourning is only that you thought they were someone that they're not. But now you know who they actually are. So now that you know who they actually are with all the compassion and empathy in the world, give them the space they need to do to be them. Like, I'm over here. Like, if you ever want to stop hitting yourself in the hand with a hammer, I will welcome you with open arms. I don't judge you. Like, that's my thing. Like, I don't judge people. Like, I get it. I get how people can be in the dumbest of fucking positions mentally ever. And why do I get it? Because I lived for decades of my life like a spaz attack, like totally living my life in a way that made absolutely no sense. It did not move me towards my goals. And for me to be like, wow, like what a jerk or an asshole or how stupid was I? It's like, no, I get it. That is the human condition. That is how the mind works. And so some people come into that realization much later in life than any of us want. But the truth is, um, I just don't hold anyone to my standard other than my poor, long-suffering wife. So, be and look, a spouse, I think you have to. Otherwise, mm -hmm. like, how are you ever going to, like, completely share right. your existence in a committed way? Because if I'm committing to you, that accountability partner, I have expectations, right? Right. So, like, there's just certain things that can and can't happen. There's certain things that we need to grow together and for this to... I want to be your number one. This needs to be the most beautiful thing in my life. Otherwise, why do it? Um... Everybody else has to be in a position where you can walk away. Otherwise, they suck you into their black hole of death and destruction, and it doesn't make sense. And so if the only thing you're worried about is mourning the loss of that person, mourn away. We're all going to lose things. Mm -hmm. Give yourself a finite period of time to mourn the loss of the person you thought they were because they have revealed themselves to be who they actually are, which is clearly somebody that's doing something um, that isn't livable for you. And just know it is very okay to be who the fuck you are. And it is very okay to say, this is who I am. And with all the compassion and empathy in the world, like I'm not gonna change to conform to other people. Like I can't tell you how many people super close to me like wanted me to conform to match their fixed mindset, worldview, dark, negative, like the world is bad and destructive and like it's unfair and all of that. And here I am going, if a meteorite hit my wife, that's my bad. So I can't join you. Like mm -hmm. I can listen and I can be a really good like listening ear. But if you want to know what I think, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to say, um, yeah, that thing you're doing, like, let me just tell you why it doesn't seem like an effective strategy. And that's always where I come from. It doesn't seem like an effective strategy. Not you're a bad person. Oh my God, you're so dumb. It's not an effective strategy. Like if the goal of humans is to express their potential and to feel a sense of deep eudaimonic happiness, right? Fulfillment. If those, I think most people will agree, those two things are rad. Right. Everything else is pretty questionable. So if those two things are the goal, like what you're doing seems counterproductive, which I don't mm -hmm. say unless you ask. But if you ask, I'm going to tell you. Seems like a bad strategy. Not a bad person. Bad strategy. Right. And then also remember that if you think about yourself at 19 or, you know, whatever age, you aren't the same person necessarily. So maybe for now, you just have to leave it where it lies and 
return, especially if it's a family member, you know, you're going to have to interact with them. Like, it doesn't mean you don't love them any less, like you love them any less. Just know that maybe they're just not the person that you need them to be for you currently. A hundred percent. And can we all just agree that just because they're their, your family doesn't mean that they're not corrosive. Right. No, hundred percent. Corrosive people. Like hundred percent. You just, sometimes you just got to leave it, just leave it where it is. But at the same time, understand that you have to be able to interact and still come out from it. Like if you're sitting at a family dinner and all that kind of stuff. That's where compassion and empathy comes in. Exactly. Like don't judge them. Like the, there are people that have hurt me in my life. I don't judge them. Right. I get it. I'm sure I've hurt people. Right. So in fact, let's just state it emphatically. I've hurt people. Right. So and I don't want that to mean that I'm a bad person. Uh, and so I don't think it makes them a bad person. And I think that we do things unintentionally. And unless you think this 19 year old is a sociopath that is like literally manipulating you and trying to hurt you, in which yeah. case distance yourself. Go away. <laughs> um, then yeah, like, I don't know for me, I don't give my family extra slack for that. It's like, I may not be willing to cut them out of my life. Like you said, there's just yeah. family time that you're going to be together. Um, but yeah, you don't have to let them suck you into their world. Right, right, right. Exactly. Boundaries. All right. So this next one comes from Kyle Apsey. Uh, Tom and Cindy, love the show and all the outstanding content you. you're continuing to deliver. So thank you, Kyle. Um, Tom, with all the time and energy you've put into IT, I'm curious to know your level of involvement with Quest. If you're still playing a role with Quest, how do you balance the two companies and provide the biggest impact? So I completely remove myself. So I'm an evangelist for the brand, but I have absolutely no day-to-day -day responsibilities whatsoever. So from a time management perspective, that's very easy. Um, so really, how do I manage my time here at Impact Theory? Because there's far more than we could ever do. Uh, we are very much drinking from a fire hose, which is a wonderful position to be in, but can... Um, it takes a lot of energy and you really have to be careful. My wife and I, that's where really the strategy comes into play of how do you um, really make sure that you're giving enough energy to the romantic relationship. And one thing Lisa and I've talked a lot about is not wanting to ever become roommates. Like, like we're roommates that are building a business, but like there isn't that romance, yeah. the fire, the passion. Um, so we have to really make sure that we put time, energy and effort into that. Um, so if I was trying to build both, like when I look at Elon Musk, I just think, how? How? Like I have to, <laughs> my worldview forces me to believe I could, mm -hmm. but that sounds so deeply unpleasant to me. So there's a part of the brain, let me see if I can remember it. Basal ganglia? I think, don't quote me on this one. If I were on national TV, I would just keep my mouth zipped on this one. I think it's the basal ganglia that's referred to as the gear shift box that allows you to shift between things. So um, some people are really, really good at going from like, because nobody can do two things at once. Uh, that's actually not true. Do you guys know who Kim Peek is? I don't. Oh, Kim ah. Peek, unfortunately, has passed away. But oh. Kim Peek could literally do two things at once. And when you see somebody, because uh, if I'm not mistaken, he had no corpus callosum. So the corpus callosum connects the left yeah. and the right hemispheres of your brain. So we could literally read two books at once and the left side of his brain would be, I guess, over here because he'd be reading the right eye and the right side of his um, brain would be reading his left eye. And he could... Childhood dreams. Right you ready there. for this? He could <laughs> memorize both books 
as he read them simultaneously. Now, sadly, Kim Peek is the guy that they based Rain Man on, so he was not um, a normally functioning person. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like showing what the brain is capable of, that's pretty spectacular. That's okay. So you can memorize two things at once. Normal people, they cannot. So there are some people who are just really, really good at switching gears really, really fast. Now, I happen to be um, not yet great at that. It's not something I put a lot of time and energy. I'm a like really deep focus kind of guy. Mm -hmm. That I really, really, really enjoy. So the thought of having like three different companies coming at me um, all the time, like that is crazy. So, and that was ultimately why it just seemed like the right move to not try to do both at the same time. Um, so yeah, that was off and running and doing its thing. And it seemed like a perfect time to kick this company off and build a media company. And originally I had planned to do that in quest. Like quest yeah. was meant to be my forever company. And I learned a very hard lesson about brands, um, which is that they're not as infinitely flexible as I wanted to believe. And there are a few exceptions. Like if you look at Virgin, yeah. Uh, He's done like 300 companies. Now, the vast majority of them have failed, but he's had like eight or nine mm -hmm. turn into billion dollar companies. That's insane. And across like wildly different yep. verticals. So I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, I don't yet have the skill set to do it all within one company. Um, so I just couldn't, between having partners and we didn't share a vision for how the media company could be as um, valuable as that and um, just putting it out there and people going, why is a protein bar company doing inside quest like i'm not, I'm not really following yeah. so it was like we were building this amazing following for inside quest and we were building an amazing following for quest nutrition but the two weren't connected as well as i wanted so it just made sense to me knowing that i like to go deep rather than ha like have like all these multiple things coming at me um to just do one so um that's where we're at I haven't yet forced myself to get really good at shifting gears. So that and like you can do that when like that's how you've established. Like even take Richard Branson had to buy his first partner out because when he wanted to launch the airline, the partner was like, dude, what are you doing? Oh, no. So getting like, and there wasn't just two of us at Quest, there were three of us at Quest. So getting three people to agree like to take these huge risks didn't make a lot of sense. So at some point, like, and Literally, the first words out of my mouth at Impact Theory were, make no mistake, this is my vision we're going to be executing. If you guys like the vision, yay, like then we can be a team. But what I don't want to do is get into a fight about like, what are we actually trying to execute against here? So that's really important. Um, you know, Richard Branson had to go through that. Um, that's where I'm at. Like, you just really have to figure out like when your vision is counterintuitive, like how many people do you have to convince? And I don't want to have to convince a lot of people. So this is really my attempt to build a forever company from the ground up uh, with a singular vision and just make it nice, clear, and simple. So yeah, that, that's a really long-winded way of saying I'm not, I haven't trained myself to be good at shifting gears, so that doesn't sound pleasant to me. Got it. All right, so we're getting kind of close to the end here. Okay. Um, so we're going to finish with a final question from uh, Mary Tier Sol Solano. I'm going to learn how to say your name. So, Tom, what's in your cookie jar that you're most proud of? And then the question goes to me as well. I won't give you um, the thing that I'm most proud of because I really have to think about that. You know, it's weird. As I search my – and this almost certainly isn't true, but this gives you an idea of something that just like I really take pride in. The time I almost got arrested to make sure that Lisa got seen by a doctor. Like, I was okay. fucking proud of that. That was, like, one of those moments where, because I don't like confrontation like that, 
Um, so for me, I was like, this is one of those moments you talk about like all the time that like you would do whatever it took to protect your wife. And now you're presented with the opportunity. And so I was just like, escalate, 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 like until <laughs> I'm sure from the outside, I seem like a crazy man. But literally, I think the exact quote was, there is no universe in which you don't see my wife. So let's cut to the fucking chase. And because it was over insurance mm -hmm. and I would literally red light. Yeah. So that's a cookie jar moment because normally that kind of thing, like just anxiety out the like wazoo because I hate that. Um, but to protect my wife, forget it, anything. If it had just been me, I would have like limped away and like found somebody else. But because it was fighting for my wife, like, yeah, that just was not a problem. Um, and then the a really recent example is the two episodes of Impact Theory that I did like with the straight flu. And so rewatching, because I was like quite close to being delirious in the episodes. So rewatching the episodes, I was like, am, like, am I going to have made any sense? They were actually pretty good. Yeah. I was, uh, I was really impressed and mad love to my boy, Jim Quick, who showed up to play. And I don't yeah, know if yeah. that's because he knew I was struggling, but he, he, he crushed that he episode. let us know that it was like partially because like he's like, I feel like Tom isn't feeling very well. Yeah. So he's like, he murdered oh. it. He's like, I'm going to step up even harder. Yeah. It was we talked awesome. about it downstairs. Yeah, yeah, he was fantastic. So, Jim, my man. So, that episode you. is really good. I, I yeah, enjoyed that one. Full legit. Um, and then, as for my cookie jar moments, uh, so I guess it's, like, the easier one to pull out is, like, moving to L.A., not having ever seen an L.A. or been to L.A., really, um, and just kind of figuring out from there, just, like, me and my sister against the world with, like, two suitcases um, and like no money, which hasn't changed very much, but, um, yeah. So that's kind of like my cookie jar moment is like this idea of like starting over and trying to like build something from scratch, take two, three, I don't even know, but yeah. Respect. Yeah. So, um, we're coming to the end now. All right. Like wrap it up. Like, or the wrap end? it up. Cause we have a right. call right after uh -huh. this. Aha. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We love getting your questions and being able yes. to answer them. That is amazing. You can leave them anywhere across social. We aggregate them. But the easiest way um, is to send them to connect at impacttheory.com. But if you want to leave them on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, doesn't matter. Um, we'll go and grab them uh, and make sure that we answer them all. So thank you. And thank you for showing up in the live. Yes. We love that. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and become one of the 50,000 and growing people yes. that are in our Facebook community, which thank you guys so much. Connect with us on the Impact Theory League. Yeah. Come out to our events, the one in London and the one in LA. They're both up. Make sure that you check out the store, Word. which we just refreshed Word. this week. So we have so many new products for you guys to try out and uh, let us know. There are discount codes for anybody who's part of the Impact Theory League or signed up to our newsletter. So definitely get on that. Nice. Um, and what was that last thing that I was going to say? And for any questions that we didn't get to in this live, we'll add them to the list and yes. kick them off when we're back on regular schedule. Most stuff. All right, guys. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to my um, Instagram channel because I'm going to be Instagramming like a maniac from uh, Europe. So really looking forward to that. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Peace. Bye, everyone. 
Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.